Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hey, and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am your host, Davey Blackburn, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Emily Schiltz. Emily, so good to have you. Thank you. We're in the studio, also known as our home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emily and her husband, Kent, actually live with me, and she is the director of Sunday operations for our church, for Resonate Church. What, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so essentially I oversee everything. Yeah, um, everything. <laughs> essentially she oversees everything. everything you got to know that that's yeah. the truth right there. <laughs> everything with the exception of our kids and everything that happens in the auditorium for the worship experience. So it's like our hospitality team, next steps, facilities, and events. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Kent and Emily have been coming to our church for a while used to be the director of Spring Hill Camps for the Indianapolis area, right? Yeah, a day camp team. That's yeah. awesome. That was like dream job. It was. Yeah, it was great. I uh, landed it right out of, of college, um, led a team of like 40 college-age kids in the wow. summer, and it was just really fun. That's so cool. And that's when we met you. Mm-hmm. You guys started coming to Resonate because... Um, what, what was it? You went to Anderson University, right? Yeah. Tell us how you got to yep. the church. So um, Matt Steelman uh, is connected with New Matt Spring Steelman, Church. Matt Steelman, what up? <laughs> Shout out. Um, but he was doing something at Anderson University in Indiana um, and helping out with our basketball team. I think he was like coaching, yeah. grad assistant. Um, and we had a friend, Kent and I had a friend that was on the basketball team who didn't know Jesus. Um, I think one day Matt just rallied the whole basketball team and said, Hey, we want you guys to come down to resonate and check out the church. Um, and so our friend Cody came back, uh, to school that day and said, Kent and Emily, you guys have to, you have to check out resonate church because we hadn't found a church, um, while we were in college. And so we visited the next week. Um, you drove what, like 45 minutes, (laughs) right? Yeah. 45 minutes, um, every Sunday morning since. So ever since our junior year of college, um, which was 2013. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you and Kent, you've been a part of our story for a while, mm-hmm. and it's been fun to see you guys. Uh, we saw you in the get engaged stage. Yeah. Saw you guys then, you know, go through the married thing and start out your life as a married couple. And mm-hmm. and Amanda and I were um, a part of that and got to watch alongside. And um, and then you were, you guys were obviously really close to Amanda. And yeah. so what would I want to do to kick off this podcast? Because we're gonna have a lot of listeners who they, they maybe clicked on iTunes. They're like, nothing is wasted podcast. They read the summary. They're not really sure what's going on, but we want to provide the listener with a little bit of context because they maybe have just clicked on iTunes and seen the nothing is wasted podcast, read our description, but not knowing anything about our story. And so, um, just so the listener knows 18 months ago, I lost my wife. Uh, she was murdered in a home invasion, and for the past 18 months, we have, as a family, as a church family, been walking this long road of healing, mm-hmm. um, of trying to find hope in the situation. And Romans 8:28 is is the verse that we have um, we have laid claim to that that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him, yeah. who are called according to His purpose. And um, and and that's difficult to to believe when you can't see it. Mm-hmm. And and yet, in the midst of all this, we've seen so many amazing things happen. So many people come to know Jesus. Um, our church has grown. People have grown in their walks with Christ. Um, everybody seems to be, in a lot of ways, um, rallying around this this cause, this idea of nothing is yeah. wasted. And so it's just cool to see that. And um, and so, you know, for the listeners, so that you know what we're trying to do, we want to help you in the midst of your pain. We're going to help you in the midst of your trial. And uh, there's going to be, you know, the, the I, I say this a lot, but the, the common denominator for life is pain. Mm-hmm. Everybody deals with it. Everybody has it. Um, if you've never walked through any trial, never walked through any pain, you haven't been alive for very long. Yeah. And so um, we want to help. We want to help you live, learn, and lead because everybody's in a different situation with that. And so I wanted my friend Emily to help me co-host this podcast because she was with Amanda a lot before mm-hmm. all of this happened. And she's walked through this with me along with the rest of our staff and the rest of our uh, leadership and some of our volunteers in our church. And she's had to help guide and navigate not only her own emotions, but also other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were leading the volunteer vision 
yeah. meeting the Sunday after Amanda passed and we had that church service. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's just a, that's a difficult thing to navigate. And so, you know, I know as we started talking about this, nothing is wasted podcast, you were really excited about mm-hmm. that. Tell me why, what was so exciting about that? Yeah. I think one thing that I'm most excited about um, is something that you say a lot, Davey, is that every person has a story. Mm. Um, and so for this podcast to be a platform where we can hear people's stories, right. um, we can take a moment to listen to it, um, learn from from it um, and apply it to our own lives, but mm-hmm. also um, learn how to help other people in whatever pain that they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, not so that we can understand what people are going through, but so that we can um, relate and right. be there um, and and see that somebody else has walked through that and provide some type of um, help to them through that. Right. So I'm excited because for me as a listener, um, I'll be able to to gain some things yeah. from this, but also just for everyone out there who's listening to this as well, um, that they can apply this to their own life. Right, right, exactly. And the, the cool thing is, is during the past 18 months, we've been able to be recipients of lots of different voices of wisdom and yeah. perspective. And so that's what we want to provide with the listener right now. We mm-hmm. want to provide the listener with these all these different voices, people who have walked through trial, who've walked through pain, who've walked through loss, who've walked through grief and hardship and difficulty of a number of different varieties, yeah. and, and just ask them questions. How do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, because oftentimes, you know, it talks about in Psalm 23 that we, we fear no evil when we go through the valley of the shadow of death because God is with us. Mm. And sometimes God shows up in the midst of, you know, um, reading your Bible and just a sense from the Holy Spirit that just this touch, kind of a hug from God, we call it like, hey, I'm with you. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. But oftentimes he shows up through other people. Yeah. And they yeah. step into your life and they do something and say something and be there in a season that, man, it's just this providential thing. Mm-hmm. And so we want to bring some of those voices onto this podcast for the listener, because maybe you're listening to this podcast, you're in your car, you're going, is there hope? And this podcast is hope coming through your iPod yeah. or hope coming through your iPhone or whatever it is. And that's what our hope in the process of this this podcast. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to get this thing kicked off and... Um, Emily, what is, um, what's, what's, what's one person, if there is anybody that you could hear from, I know I'm throwing you under, like just totally out of, (laughs) but if there's one person that you could hear from on this podcast, maybe there's listeners out there. You can be like, Hey, we'd love to hear from this person. We'll reach out to him. Who'd be one person that you could think of you'd love to hear from? I would really love to hear from Levi Lesko. Um, I know for you, that was like a pivotal book, um, and healing and right after Amanda passed, um, that you sat down and read that and recommended mm-hmm. that to our staff. And so um, I read the book. I listened to it on um, audiobook yep. um, just to hear Levi <laughs> really like talk to me, right? Yeah. Um, but I think his story is is um, a hard one, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, he just has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to yeah. share um, and has walked through this so um, gracefully um, and like open-handed um, that, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, him. and Levi's become kind of a big brother to me mm-hmm. and has helped me walk through this in a lot of ways. And um, and so, yeah, we're definitely going to try to get him on the podcast. Yay. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> We'd love to do that. And a myriad of other people. And so I decided that, man, the first people that I wanted everyone to hear from is Amanda's family mm-hmm. because they've been very much a part of this story. We had them for a Q&A at church, and so many people, I mean, thousands of people watched that Q&A. Yeah. Um, you can go to ResonateIndy.com and, and search through all of our archives and find that um, the, those couple of messages where they did Q and a, but why don't we do this? Let's just listen in. The first guest that we have is her dad, Phil Byers. So let's listen to the interview that I had with Phil Byers. I'm so excited about this guest today as we've kicked off this Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am here right now joining with me, Amanda's dad, Phil Byers. Dad, hey! thanks so much for, for being here today. <laughs> I know the listener's probably going to be really confused about the fact that I am not, not going to be able to call you Phil. I'm going to have to call you Dad. That's just kind of the way we roll, That's isn't it? it? That's right. <laughs> and I'll call you DJ. D- thank you, DJ. Yeah. Why, why? I've never understood why in the world <laughs> yes, you call me DJ. Know. Why do you, you call know, me DJ? Because whenever Amanda <laughs> met you, she, brought, she said, I'm bringing this guy home, and his name's Davey. And I'm like, you mean Dave? No, Davey. <laughs> oh, you mean David. No, his name's Davey. He's from the South, and that's what they call him down there. <laughs> is that they call what it him is? Bobby, Davey's Jimmy, a Southern Davey. name. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I can call him Davey. What's his middle name? She says David James, and I said, I'll tell him DJ, and so that's how it came. DJ. DJ. Southern names are like double names, though. It's like the the Betty Jean, or yes. the like, you know, Bobby, Bobby Billy, 
you know, I've, I've never heard Bobby Billy, but <laughs> Billy Bob. Billy Bobby, yeah, <laughs> Billy Bob, that's for sure. So it could have been like Davy James, short <laughs> no, of the DJ. I could do that. Admit I could, it, I you thought, I, I'm pretty sure I heard you say one time you thought it was a girly name. I didn't want to say that out loud just now on your podcast, but, you know, I, it just came across that way, you know. I mean, I, I'm not from that culture, and I was like, Davey, that's like a little kid, you know, so I'm going to call him DJ instead. So, so I call you, you call DJ. DJ. It's even in my phone. It's it says your phone. DJ. DJ Black. my phone. That's right. And he always, every time I call you, you say DJ. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, is I always think of DJ Tanner. You know, from the full house. So yeah. DJ actually sounds a little bit more girly to me than Davey does. So oh, well. every time you say DJ, it, it just is what it is. But, huh. I, you know, my um, as I was writing the book, my publisher sent me back the chapter about you, you and I having this conversation. They were like, they changed everything from dad to Phil. And I was like, that's just weird. That's not even us. We don't call you Phil. It's like, no, well, no, Phil, let me talk to you about this. Or, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> that would just be weird. Just if dad. you said that, if you said, hey, Phil, I, pro- I, I don't know if I'd turn around from you. you Probably know? not. I mean, yeah, like, who is talking to me? You're in that voice. That's, that's awesome. Well, dad is the pastor of First Baptist Elkhart. In, uh, is it technically in Bristol? Yeah, we're Bristol, in Bristol, Indiana. Yeah. And just incredible things happening there. Uh, lots of people coming to meet Jesus. Mm. And uh, you took over the pastorate there, the senior pastorate. When, when, how long ago? Two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Yeah. And so in the midst of the, the just absolute craziest tragedy that anybody could think of going through, but our family, certainly our family has gone through, dad's had to learn how to not just, not just walk through it and navigate it himself as he's lost um, his daughter, but he's also had to learn how to lead other people through this and how to, how to navigate the trail, kind of blaze the trail for this kind of grief. And so one of the things we want to do on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast is we want to help you, yes, learn how to live and learn and lead through your pain. And so I thought it'd be fantastic to get this podcast started out the first couple episodes and talk to Amanda's family about how do we get up every single day, learn how to just live, learn how to survive the first couple months, first year, um, figure out how to learn through this. Mm-hmm. What is God trying to teach us through this? He's not trying to shake our faith. He wants to shape our faith in this and through this. And then how do we lead through it? And I, I think this is very special to me because I'm trying to ask those questions all the time of great leaders. I, I consider that a great leader. I love um, sitting under his preaching when I come to First Baptist. I love, um, and here's the, here's the cool thing. His kids love sitting under his preaching. Yeah, they're just, they're crazy. They've Do you lost pay their them? minds. Do you um, pay the, you I pay? thought, yeah, yeah. We have a deal worked out, but we can't tell it out in public. We can't let people know, but yeah, it's a deal we have. Yeah. <laughs> it so really you, is very humbling. It yeah. really is totally humbling. It's, it's exciting. I love it. Yeah. I love that the grandkids come down, you know, poppy, poppy at the yeah. end of the service, you know, and come down and give me a hug. But it is very humbling that my kids actually want to sit underneath their dad's preaching, yeah. which kind of weird to me. But. It doesn't happen often. Hmm. You know, normally kids are trying to figure out a different church they can go to, get out of the house, get out of from under, you know, mom and dad's shelter and wings, but they're sitting under your shepherding. And I think that's just testament to how well you've led this family. Hmm. So I want to, I want to dialogue about that a little bit because okay. there are listeners out there who they're not just learning how to survive this, but they also, maybe there's a leader out there who's in the middle of their own tragedy and they're trying to figure out how to lead this. But let's start out with this. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the dynamic of you and Amanda's relationship? Because you guys had a very special relationship. You have three kids. Amanda mm-hmm. was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there was a special connection between you and Amanda. Talk, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, and it was... Um, uh, yeah. Way to go. Get me started right now at, uh, at the beginning here. But Amanda was something very special um, in our family, but also in our in my relationships to the family because um, at the beginning, early on, she was really totally um, a mama's girl, um, wanted Robin all the time, didn't want to have much to do with me, kind of was scared of me hmm. um, when she was little. I was scared of you too when I first met you. Yeah. <laughs> That's because Gavin talks you up like crazy. That's because I had guns on the table. He's like, he's a hunter. He's an alpha male. He shakes your hand really hard. He's very intimidating. (laughs) I am not. I'm not. not. Anyway, um, we connected really when she was um, early or late elementary school, Mm -hmm. early junior high is when we began to really connect and find that we had kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. Um, She, we think a lot alike. We, um, we muse on things of life pretty mm-hmm. much the same way. Um, we, 
we both view life the same, mm-hmm. um, which was really interesting. Um, I didn't know that until we would... I found myself, which is weird, coming home, seeking out Amanda mm-hmm. to share some of my struggles, my personal struggles that I had. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, she would actually have wise counsel for me. Yeah, She was a sounding board for me. Um, she would help me through... Um, some darker issues, you know, in ministry. Um, I remember even when you guys are in Indianapolis and stuff was going on as I was getting started in this whole thing and um, trying to think, should I go in, should I, should I become a lead pastor? You know, I've never been trained to be a lead pastor, never been a lead pastor. How can I be a lead pastor in a church like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would call her and talk to her about it and ask her questions and she would give me she would give me what she thought. She'd give me counsel, and mm. she's straight up. She's a straight shooter. Yeah. And so um, we had it. That that was what really knit our hearts together. Is just that we. I think we saw life the same. I think we saw ministry the same, yeah. and we could we could bounce things off. She would call me about what you guys are going through, right? And she'd say, "Just you know, help me with this." You know, I mean, her. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know if I can say this out loud or not. We can yeah, cut you can this. Say it we can out cut loud. this right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we would talk about how um, how fickle people are mm. and how broken people are, and we all know that we all are broken right. and fickle, and we're not like Jesus, and we're trying our, our hardest to be like Jesus. But the fact is, sometimes that can be exhausting and when you're when you're shepherding people all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes people are needs. idiots. Yeah. And sometimes, in, in our little phrase was, sometimes people suck. People and that, suck. that's just what we that's what We, <laughs> we love say. them, but they suck. <laughs> well, that, and I do too sometimes. Exactly. I suck a lot. You exactly. know, I mean, I do. And so it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it was something that we shared and, and, and viewed the same. So that, yeah. was, that was the special part of our relationship. I right. Think. Yeah, that's really cool. I, there are times, I just, some of my favorite memories is coming up here to the Buyer's B&B and sitting by the fire, mm-hmm. getting up early and just talking to you and mom yeah. and basically having counseling sessions with you guys. I mean, you guys did our premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. So that, that was, was a little fun. awkward, especially when we got to the sex part. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know how I was going to do that. So. either. So it was hard for you. Think about what it was for me, buddy. Come on. Oh, man. Come on. Don't touch my daughter. Oh, man. I know. I know. That was the rule up until we got married. Then it yeah, was like, yeah, right. go ahead and touch her. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you through, like advise you through that one at all. Just <laughs> Give it your all, man. Give it your all. But those were just, I mean, very, very special times and mm. still are special times to just mm. come up here and be able to connect with you guys and talk about ministry. And there's obviously a, the, the void. You know, we feel that void. We feel the, the empty seat in the living room. And mm-hmm. um, it's tough. It's tough. It's bittersweet because we see all that God's doing through this. And uh, for those of you guys who are listening out there, Dad and I get to do a lot of ministry together, um, which is a really cool thing, but mm-hmm. it's a bittersweet thing because of the constant reminder of why um, our, our hearts and our souls are so knitted together, and I think they will be for years and years mm-hmm. and years. Um, but, you know, I just think about some of the some of the times that when we were dating, Amanda and I were dating, and I would go to like, or we were, well, it wasn't we were mm-hmm. dating because we didn't kiss till we were engaged, but when we were engaged, I'd go to kiss her. I'd like crack a joke or something and her face would contort and it would look just like your face. Oh, like no. she like, had this furrowed brow, <laughs> this laugh just like you. And then all of a sudden it's like in a cartoon yeah, where her, yeah. your face is on her face. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I don't want to kiss that. Okay, You don't even want to think about that. <laughs> don't don't think about think. that. That's right. But you guys were just hmm. probably the most similar of father, daughter, the, the same person, the same spirit um, that, that I've ever met. So um, what you know, as we're as we're talking about this, and as as we've walked through the past eighteen months, you've had to wrestle through a lot of unique emotions, mm-hmm. um, emotions of a father who, honestly, you know, if I'm talking to the listener right now, I've never met a dad who's raised his daughters the way you have. I've never met somebody who has loved and cherished and poured into his daughters and built into them their identity in Christ more than you have. And I know that you are not a perfect parent, and you mm-hmm. would say that too, but. Yeah. Because of that, you're having to wrestle through a lot of emotions. Um, explain some of those emotions. Uh, what were some of the emotions that happened initially over the 18 months? What are some emotions you've had to process through that might be unique to your situation? Well, it, it kind of, uh, and they're cycling. The, these these things keep continue to cycle. I, I really thought, I'd never been through something like this before, and so um, you don't know what you're going to, ex- you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're going to feel. You don't know how you're going to work through it. And you just begin to work through it. And I, for, I've always thought you just work through it, mm-hmm. and then you're done. You're through it. Mm. But it's not true. 
um, these, all these emotions continue to cycle. The first was um, disbelief, like no way, this is not happening. And then, and that's the shock of it all. And then um, extreme disappointment mm. um, because that's, this is not how I mm. dreamed my family to be or have desired or raised them or you know, planned. Disappointment in, in disappointment in God, disappointment in, in, in life. Yeah, I mean, this is not what I had envisioned life to be. Um, I had some disappointment in the Lord. Mm. I've never, you know, I, I'm going to get to anger in a minute. I've never been angry with the Lord, mm. but I was disappointed. I, I mean, and that came out like, why? Yeah, and, and why Amanda? Right. You know, we want to take me. But don't take Amanda. Yeah. I mean, what you know? I mean, why, if you have to take somebody, what is this all about? And why didn't you protect her? Right. You know, Davy wasn't there when it happened to protect her. I wasn't there to protect her. We—that's what we do. We protect people. Right. Men protect their their own and their women. And so we're not there. We're expecting you to protect her. Mm-hmm. That's what we pray all the time. Take care of my family when I'm away from them. Right. And. We were away from her, and why weren't you? Why didn't you take care of her? Right. So that was that was the disappointing part of it, um, and then extreme anger mm. and rage that came in um, towards what happened, towards the evil that's in the world, mm-hmm. um, towards the men that did it, mm-hmm. and uh, and then <clears throat> this was a big surprise: um, dread. Mm. Explain that. Um, and I still wrestle with that, that um, if that could happen, which I can't imagine a worse thing happening, um, and it happened to us, is something else going to happen? Mm, yeah. And so there's this looming dread that I don't know really what to do with. I'm just, you know, it's, uh, it hangs on you. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, so I cycle through all of those. I haven't gotten over one of those emotions yet. Yeah, I'm still shocked over it. I'm still confused. Mm. Um, I'm still disappointed. I'm still angry, and I still have dread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have hope, yeah. and I want to say that because I do. Ha- I have hope um, in the Lord. Yeah, you know, the psalmist said, "Why so downcast, O my soul? Um, put your hope in God." Mm. If you put your hope in man, if you put your hope in this world, if you put your hope in um, each other, if you put your hope in your future, if you put your hope in happiness and the happiness of your children and the happiness of your grandchildren, you will be let down because there's sin in this world and wickedness in this world and this world is broken. But if you put your hope in God, you will never be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break. We like to do a segment of our podcast uh, where we help listeners with resources, the resources of the month. So we're going to take a small break and come back with part two and talk to dad some more about some of these questions. Thanks right. for listening. So this is the part of the podcast where we want to equip you with some helpful resources. That's right. Um, so, Davey, can you tell us a little bit about the resource of the month? The resource of the month. I feel like it's going to be called the book club. Okay. Because yeah. I feel like it's just, uh, we're going to default to books because I probably. love reading books. Yeah. No, we'll give them more resources. The resource of the month this month is the book Walking with God Through Pain and mm. Suffering by Timothy Keller. And I don't know if you've ever read anything from Timothy Keller, but the dude is brilliant brilliant passage of church in New York City, reaching a lot of um, really just like profound thinking millennials. Okay. You know, it's a, it can be a little bit of a heady book, but it also is very practical too. And what I love about Timothy Keller and what he does is he begins to wrestle with some difficult questions about uh, kind of the problem of pain and like, why is there pain and suffering in this world? And so you get to have this 30,000 foot view of the the theology hmm. and the philosophy behind pain and how Christianity tackles that better than any other religion. And then he gives you very helpful, practical tools on how you're walking through your own fire, wow. your own trial. And it's just a phenomenal book. So if you want to pick up Timothy Keller's book, just go to davyblackburn.com. You can scroll down to the bottom and find the section for resources. And there's a link right there. And you can um, it'll take you to 
place where you can purchase it on Amazon and make it nice and easy for you to find hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so that's the resource of the month and let's uh, jump back into the next part of this interview. It's interesting. You mentioned dread. That's a new emotion for me. Hmm. Uh, just recently I was, I got up yesterday morning and I'm reading this biography on George Mueller, who was a mm-hmm. early revivalist and, um, did a bunch of, you know, a lot, a lot of orphanages, but basically in his ministry, in his life, he learned how to trust in God alone for provision, denied salaries from his church and mm-hmm. trusted that God would provide in all of these ministries that he was trying to do. And, um, he prayed big prayers. George Mueller was known for prayer ledgers. He would write out his prayers, then cross them out as he saw them be answered. And so before Amanda passed, I was inspired by George Mueller to start prayer ledgers mm-hmm. and pray some really big prayers. Some of those like Mark Batterson circle maker yeah. type prayers. Yeah. And um, what's difficult is the prayer ledger that I had going before Amanda passed. God answered every one of those prayers. But the the impetus was Amanda's death. Hmm. So the prayers were, the answered prayers were, it looked like to me a result of Amanda's death. Hmm. So Amanda passes and then all of these big things happen, things that I've been praying for. Wow. And so for the past 18 mm-hmm. months... I've lived with dread. My prayers have not been, they haven't been big prayers. They haven't been my normal, visionary, bold, courageous prayers of an entrepreneurial maverick church planter. They've been prayers of healing, which is good, like prayers of strength. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I need you to encourage my heart. I need you to strengthen my heart. I need you to strengthen my hand for the work that you have for me. Help me be a dad. They've been more like passive prayers in that sense, like healing Mm -hmm. prayers. And just recently, I've been feeling challenged to pray big prayers again. And I sat down on that, that couch yesterday morning and I started asking God, why am I not praying? Why am I afraid to pray big prayers? And I realized, um, and this is the hardest thing to realize about your own heart. I realized I don't trust God with my big prayers hmm. because, because if, if that could happen, if he could allow that to happen, what else could he allow into my life? I think you live sometimes in ministry with this feeling of invincibility. It's like this this deal that you've cut with God where you go, okay, as long as we're doing your work, God, you're going to take care of my family. You're going to protect us. We can get through anything outside of us as long as this family unit is intact, is yeah. strong. Yeah. And then when the thief comes in to steal, kill, and destroy your family, you start to lose this. I mean, if we're just honest, you start to lose this trust where you go, well, hold on, God, hold on a second. Like, that's not, you, that wasn't the deal. That wasn't the deal. And so I just sat and wept on your couch and had to repent and, and confess to the Lord, I'm sorry, I don't trust you right now. Hmm. And I need you, to, I need you to give me the, the trust. I need you to help me to trust you again with these big things. I trust you with other things, with healing, for, with provision, with, but with big things, with like what you want to do out of this, I don't trust you and I need that trust hmm. again. And That's I, a natural byproduct of, of pain. And when you come through something hard like this, the natural byproduct is you know now you need you need healing. Mm-hmm. You need the tender voice of God. You don't know you don't need the strap on your armor, um, pick up your sword and shield, right. go out and, and fight the big battle, um, God right now. Right. <laughs> you know, you need and you don't need the big lion of Judah right now. You you need the quiet, mm. um, tender hand of your father. Right, um, to the shepherd that leads you beside still waters, Absolutely. restores your soul. Absolutely. Yeah. That, but I think what you're probably doing now is t- enough time has gone by and he's mm-hmm. waking your spirit back up and he's saying, "It's get up now. It's time to go into battle. It's time to dream big yeah. again. Time to, you know. Get so, up. So, what, what, you and know, go. here's the thing. I'm, I'm wrestling with these emotions and I know our listeners are wrestling with emotions too. Mm-hmm. Same emotions, similar emotions, maybe some different emotions than what you wrestled with. And we know that, you know, emotions can't drive our decisions and emotions can't drive our relationship with Jesus. You know, if I try to put on, hey, God, if you're if you're God, if you're the right, same temptation that Satan tried to give Jesus, if you're the son of God, then you'll do this. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. basically me making Jesus into who I want him to be, an idol of what I fabricated him to be. So if you're Jesus, you would never have let this happen. Well, that's not true. That doesn't say that in Scripture. There's nowhere in that. So how do I wrestle through these emotions and be really transparent in wrestling through these emotions, but at the same time um, process through them? And, and how have you processed through these emotions to get to the place where you can put your trust in God, where you can have hope? Well, 
they're real. You know, God, I, I, all of our emotions are given to us by God. Mm-hmm. It's part of our makeup. They're not part of the sinful, this fall of man. Yeah. We, we have emotions. We, and, and God wants to redeem our emotions. Mm. And we are supposed to not be conformed to this world any longer, but we are to be, Scripture says, transformed mm. by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. Um, in Ephesians 4, um, it talks about, you know, Paul is saying, don't be anxious about anything. And he's just mirroring the words of Jesus mm. on the Sermon on the Mount. Where he's like, don't worry. You, yeah, what are you worried about, you know? <laughs> I've, I've totally got you. Yeah, sorry, I, Bob Marley. Jesus coined it first. <laughs> that's don't, exactly right. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Every little thing's going to be all, all right. right. <laughs> it's true, and that's what Jesus is saying. Everything's going to be all right. You seek me and my kingdom. Mm. So go hard after my kingdom. Go hard after your relationship with me. I'll take care of all those little things. Mm-hmm. Paul's that when he says, don't be anxious about anything, anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, bring your, bring your desires, bring mm-hmm. your burdens, bring them to, to Christ, right. take them in prayer to the Lord. But then he says, start thinking, change your mind by thinking about things that are opposite of what are getting you down. Mm-hmm. Things that are true and things that are honorable and things that are just and pure and lovely and commendable. And then it says that if you practice these things, so you have to put into practice the exchange of how you think, which is the transformation of your mind. Yeah. You pour yourself into scripture. You read things that are true. You read things that are honorable. You read things that are just. You fill your mind with the things. You can't, it's not good enough to sit in your room and say, stop being sad, stop being sad, stop being sad, stop being sad. And if I told you, Davey, stop being depressed. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, what, what are you going to automatically do? You're going <laughs> to oh. start thinking about why you're depressed. Right. And I'm gonna, if I keep saying, just quit being depressed, it's just going to drive your mind back to the why you're depressed. Yeah. Instead, I need to start filling you with the hope of Scripture yeah. and filling your mind. And all of a sudden, it'll breathe life into you, and you'll be like, you know what? I don't have to be depressed. Mm. I have the promises of God. Mm. God's going to take care of me. And it says, when you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. And when the God of peace is with you, he brings us your, He brings you his peace. Wow. And it's the peace that passes our ability to understand. Yeah, we don't get it. People yeah. ask, have asked me over and over again, how are you guys doing this? Mm. And my answer is always, I don't know. Mm. Outside of Jesus, we have no idea. Yeah. Outside of him carrying us with a hammock of grace. He's giving me, he, he has given us, you know, yeah. the, the peace of God mm-hmm. that passes understanding and the strength to get up every day, put on our pants and take a step <laughs> yep. and walk this thing out. Yeah. And step by step, he's helped us. Right. Step by step, he's worked in us and he's healing the, the heaviness of the, these emotions that if we let them, because Davey, I told you, how in that hotel room mm-hmm. just days after her death i was go i i, I saw myself i get vi- visibly see myself in that hotel room going down into a pit that yeah. i was not going to be able to climb out of and i was scared that it scared me to death yeah because i thought i can't go down there god i can't i want to right everything inside me wants to pull me down into that pit but if i go down there i'm not coming back up yeah you've got to help me out of that yeah and he did. Hmm. So. so you need God's grace in that, in a massive way. You know, God, I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I need you to pull me out of these emotions, but, you know, and, and empty me of these emotions, but fill me of, of your spirit. Fill me of you, your truth, your words. Um, you know, the disciples said, <laughs> Jesus looks at all these people and, you know, says some hard truth and they all walk away in John chapter six. And he looks at the disciples and he goes, well, Are you not going to go too? And they look at him and they go, where are we going to go? Yeah, yeah. You have the words of life. We can't. There, we have no other option. People have been like, "Hey, how, how have you done this?" Or you know, I'm so proud of you for walking. And I'm going. I didn't have a. I didn't have another, another option. The words of life are in one person. And if I wanted life, I had to run to that person. That person's Jesus. But if I wanted the vortex of death and depression and destruction and doubt, and if I wanted all of those things, then yeah, I I I, I walk into um, where my emotions take me. 
and or walk into the philosophy of man. Right, right. Man's, man has no answers for these kinds of things. No. They think they do, but they don't. They don't. Outside of the scriptures and outside of the Holy Spirit of God in your life, fulfilling his promises in you, yeah. we don't have the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You can't have it without him. Right. And so what you're saying is it's okay to feel all of these emotions. Yeah. Right? I mean, Jesus even said, in your anger... Do not do sin. Not sin. He didn't say, don't be angry and don't sin. He said, when you're angry, because you're going to get angry. Mm-hmm. When you're depressed, when you're... Sometimes I feel like, you know, small seasons of depression are actually opportunities for us to lean into closer to the Lord and go, okay, my, where's my hope for real? I'm depressed because I have this unmet expectation, this disappointment in the world or disappointment in this relationship or disappointment in this circumstance. So this unmet expectation, the gap of that between what I expected and what I experienced has led me to depression, Yeah. right? So it's an opportunity to lean into, well, where are you really putting your hope? Because when your hope is in Jesus, he can lift you up out of that miry clay. Loneliness, when you feel loneliness, it's it, you're going to feel loneliness. I'm sure Jesus felt lonely. Well, yeah, it said <laughs> multiple times, and he was left alone. He was left alone. Yeah. Yeah, but that was an opportunity for him to lean into the comforting, um, presence of the Father. Yeah, that's where he went. The solitude. He went right to his Father. Yeah. See, I think I think our emotions, especially our negative emotions, like worry, anxiety, uh-huh. fear, those are all real. Right. Those are all given to... I actually feel like they're sheepdogs. And what I mean by that <laughs> is the sheepdog is supposed to go out and nip the heels of the sheep to drive them back to the shepherd. The mm. sheepdog is not the sheep's friend. Yeah. The sheepdog doesn't go lay down with the sheep at night and sleep. The sheepdog is goes out there and rounds up the sheep and and drives them back to the shepherd. Mm. I feel like our emotions are out there nipping at us. And so if we have the right frame of mind when we're depressed, we should ask ourselves questions, why am I depressed? Mm. Yep. Where do I need to go now with my depression? Bring your depression to Jesus. My fear, bring your fear to Jesus. Yeah. My loneliness, bring my loneliness to Jesus, and he has answers for that. And he will, he will help us with those emotions, and he'll calm us down, right. and he'll say, okay, now you're okay. Let's go back out there and get it done. Yeah. And so those emotions should drive us to the Lord, Yeah. Um, not drive us to everything else out there, and certainly not to man, right. because man's going to let us down every single time. Right. And we can't find it within ourselves. Right. So. We just did this series called Mood Swingers that yeah. resonate, and we talked about emotions. And the whole idea was your emotions should not be your guide. They should be a gauge. Wow. They tell you yeah. where you're at, not where you're supposed to go. Yeah. They're a, a red light indicator, not a roadmap. But truth, yeah. truth has to be the thing that drives us. And when truth drives our decisions, eventually our emotions follow. Yeah. When you, when you put on, right, you put on the words of life, you put on the fruit of the Spirit, you put on these things that, right, Ephesians, I think, and I don't know where it is, but Ephesians talks about, you know, putting on... Ephesians 4. Ephesians yeah. 4, right? So you put these things on, and that begins to... It's almost like you're preaching to yourself. It's like, I'm really, really worried. What do I do? I worship in the midst of my worry because that tells me... It, like, puts its emo- the emotions in its place. Yeah. Taking every thought captive and making it a slave to Christ... And it's true. It's good. It's so good. That's good. Yeah. That's the only thing that works. Yeah. Because if you don't, like what you're talking about in Ephesians 4, it's put off the old. Yeah. But you can't, it's not good enough to just put it off. If you put it off, it will come back. It will come back on you. Right. So you put off the old and you put on something new. Mm. So when you put, like you said, you take off worry, you better put on worship in its place. Right. Because if not, worry's going to come, it's right, come back. right back. And, it's going to come right back. It's going to fill the space. Well, and it's that old, <laughs> it's that old comfortable coat. Sometimes yeah. we like to go back to that old nasty rag, you know, yeah. that we had and put it on. Oh, it feels comfortable because I've been here so many times. <laughs> but there's nothing good there. There's it's nothing like, happening. bro, that's from the 1970s. Well, Take off you, that guard, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, and you, you, you need to go like to H and M when you wear that. Stop thing, shopping you know? at Talbots, right? Start shopping somewhere else. That's exactly right. That's so great. Well, so, you know, we talk about the phrase, nothing is wasted. Mm -hmm. And some questions I've been asked, and I'd love to get your take on this, your perspective, is 
what does that mean? Nothing is wasted because it, it can feel like there's a lot wasted. I mean, you, you invested into Amanda, you poured into her, not mm-hmm. just for 18 years of her life in your house, but for 28 years, there was a lot of investment. And sometimes it, it, it can seem like as a parent, you're going, okay, I expect that I'm going to, you know, that my kids are going to bury me and that they're going to way out, outlive me. And mm-hmm. the investment that I make in my kids, it's going to carry on for a long time past me. Um, but, but when something like this happens, uh, an untimely, senseless tragedy, it can feel like that all of that, and I felt this, it's like, well, what was the point, God? What was the point of my 10 years with Amanda? Mm-hmm. What was the point of, like, that, that can feel wasted, and yet we're trumping this phrase, nothing is wasted. What exactly does that mean? How would you explain that to someone? Well, we're bringing it right out of Romans 8, 28, 29, right? Right. That, that God is at work in all things mm-hmm. for the good of those who love him. Right. So that's where it comes from. That's where we, we brought that from. Um, now, living it out, uh, the only way we can live it out, the only way we can, we can work that out is to have um, an understanding of who God is. Mm. Because to, to, to say nothing is wasted is to believe that everything God is doing is working out for good purposes, for right. righteousness, uh, for holiness, uh, for the kingdom. Well, when something bad happens, mm-hmm. that's great when it's good. Right. We're all like, yes, absolutely, nothing is wasted. He's working all things out for the good, and I'm everything's great, and everything's fine, and we're right. all happy. But when someone comes and shoots your daughter in the back of the mm-hmm. head, shoots your wife in the back of the head, um, now it tests... Do you believe that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him? Yeah. And so the faith in that is in, is in the sovereignty of God, which sovereignty of God means that he is in control. Yeah. In total control of all things. Nothing happens. And this is what's hard. And a lot of people in our church have, have wrestled with this. Mm. I, we've wrestled with it in our family. And I've wrestled it in my heart um, because... We often think that if something bad happens, we're paying for something we did wrong. Mm, yeah, it's punishment. Yeah. yeah. The other thing we think of is when something bad happens to good people, where was God? Right. Why wasn't he there? You know, what, what, this is what I hear all the time. What kind of loving God yeah. would allow something to happen like that to his children when he is, if he is almighty God right. and he is all-powerful... And nothing can stand against him. Right. And he can fix everything. And he's in control of everything. Well, then why would he let something like that happen to one of his children? I would never let that happen to my child. Right. Well, first of all, it's because he has plans we don't understand. Right. They're much higher than ours. And his ways are, are bigger than ours. We don't understand what he's doing. But for us, it comes down to faith. Mm-hmm. The faith to believe that God is at work. God is in control. He knows what's going on. And he is at work for the good. Right. And he's not wasting this thing. Right. And Davey, we've seen, brother. Yeah. We, we've seen God work through this. And I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it till I die. I hate that he's... That right. he, I hate it. But I love it. Yeah. Because we've seen him working in ways through Amanda's death and through the circumstance that we we would have never seen, yeah, through her life, yeah, and though we hate it, we submit to that, and we believe nothing is wasted. Right, right. And I think it's hard when when people, you know, there are a lot of people that have, and I've said this since day one because immediately this thing threw a ripple effect across our country and across the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know why God chose to use Amanda's story Mm -hmm. and to use us. I don't know why. Uh, There's no explanation for it, why he chooses to put some people on a platform and chooses to leave some people in obscurity. There's no explanation. I mean, I can have my theories. Amanda lived a very righteous life Mm -hmm. and her legacy is living on. And I think God is rewarding her righteousness. But nobody knew that. But nobody knew that. Nobody in the world. It wasn't like she was a a famous name and then God took her and everybody was, well, you know. Absolutely. We, we all of us 
are nobodies. We're nobodies. <laughs> and so why would God choose this? Because there are other people who go through the same mm-hmm. kind of tragedy, have the same kind of faith, yeah. believe the same kind of big things that nothing is wasted. Have lived the same pure have life. Have lived the same pure <laughs> life, but, but they're not seeing the fruit that we're seeing in front of our eyes lived out. And they may not until they step into eternity. Mm-hmm. And God pulls back the veil, shows them the underside of the tapestry and yep. goes, hey, here's what I've been doing in that. Yep. So so I think when it's when you don't see it in front of you immediately, you have to go back to scripture and you have to be reminded of the fact that scripture says we don't focus on what is seen, we focus mm-hmm. on what is unseen. It says yep. though our bodies are wasting away, right? Mm-hmm. Our souls yep. are being renewed day by day. And we don't focus on the things that are seen. You know, it's like when uh, Elisha Said it said open the eyes of 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 the servant right here, and he opens his eyes up because all he could see were the enemy forces around him. He didn't see that God's forces were surrounding the enemy forces. He thought he was surrounded. It was like no, the enemy's in trouble. Look, open our eyes to that. I think sometimes we have to pray like, hey God, open our eyes to this, because God will show you these even if it's just little small tangible ways. He'll show you that He's in this, and if you're looking for okay, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? You know, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. But, you, but, but oftentimes people will close their, because of, because of just not wanting to, you know, refusing to believe it. How in the world could God be a good God? So they don't see the thumbprints of God. They don't look for the thumbprints of God. And I think one of the things that our family has tried to do is say, okay, God, where are you in this? Mm-hmm. Where are you in this? Instead of running away from God in this, where are you? Please show me. And we have to do this a lot. We have to go, hey, God, I just need you to show me that you're in this still that you're still working yeah. in this yeah. because there are seasons where it seems like it ebbs and then seasons where it seems like it flows too fast. And, and in those seasons that it ebbs, we have to go, Hey, uh, can you please show me that you're still in this? And he does, he'll show up and he'll say, Hey, I'm in this. I got every this. time, every time. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really cool. But yeah, nothing is wasted. God doesn't waste our pain that he doesn't, that he's working all things together. I think that's just a, it's a tough thing to wrap your mind around, but it's truth. And, um, and I think, you know, for the listener out there to understand too, you can go back and go on my website and watch Amanda's celebration service. But the metaphor that also helped us and has helped us through this is Amanda's furniture business. Mm -hmm. You know, she used to call me at the office and say, Hey, on your way home, can you pick up this, this dresser on the side of the road that somebody threw out as trash? And I'd pick it up and I'm like, how in the world is she going to do? Joanna Gaines couldn't do anything with this. <laughs> How is she going to do something with this? And I'd take it home and I'd look at her and be like, seriously, like you're not going to be able to do anything with this. this. Is trash? Nobody. This was discarded. Nobody wants this. And she would just say, Hey, Davey, give me a little time and trust me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'll turn this into something beautiful. Yep. And that was preached day one from from the stage of her celebration service. Is that God is looking at this situation, going, Hey, guys, give me a little time. And trust me, and I'll turn this into something beautiful. But it does take time. That's so good. Um, and for those who might be listening and are really in the hole right now, mm-hmm. really in the depths of the despair of their circumstance right now, that truth right there, give me a little time, yeah. is what you need to lean into. Yeah, Because the Spirit of God is at work. He's bringing health back to you. He's in the process of transforming your life from whatever the, the tragedy is, whatever the mess you've made of it, um, whatever the despair you have for the circumstance, he is going to touch it and make it new. His resurrection right. power is at work in you to touch it and make it new and transform it. Yeah. And then use it um, in a way you can't even imagine right now. Yeah. That's the thing that has, has been a help for me is that over time, he will touch it. Yeah. And he will make it what it is. We've got to be patient and wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually continue this conversation next time with part two um, in this dialogue between me and my father-in-law, Phil Byers. So join us next time as we continue this conversation. Wow, that was good. Yeah. Lots and lots of wisdom, lots of stuff. In fact, we've got a whole nother part to this, part two. Can't wait to hear that one. For sure. You guys need to make sure that you tune in to part two of the interview next time. Um, 
Davey and Phil are going to continue yeah. talking. Phil. Phil. I can call him Phil, right? You can call him Phil. Do I call him dad? You should call him dad. I think okay. he would love that. It'd be very endearing. <laughs> we should all just call him dad. He's Everybody. like the patriarch of our church, you know? <laughs> dad buyers. Yeah. So next time, make sure you guys tune in uh, for dad and yeah. Davey to continue that conversation. If this podcast was helpful to you, we would love it if you guys could go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. That's just going to make this more accessible um, to people where they'll see it in their feed um, and they can listen to it as well. And then lastly, if you guys have any questions that you would like for us to answer on this podcast, please send an email to hello at resonateindy.com. Yeah, that'd be perfect. We want to collect like this database of questions because it helps us to ask other people. And then we might do some podcasts where we just answer your questions, you know, a little Q&A. I think that would be really really cool well thank you so much for listening to the nothing is wasted podcast this is all the time we have and this first episode the inaugural episode of the nothing is wasted podcast that's a lot of fun we're gonna do it again yes part two stay tuned here's a little excerpt from it you are in this very unique situation where you've got this whole congregation of people who are also hurting because this is the church that amanda grew up in So they're also grieving this. They're looking to, yes, they're looking to God for answers, but they're looking to you for answers. And you're in this place where you're looking for answers. How in the world do you lead? It's it's almost like you're, you're like Marco Polo. You're like, I don't really know where we're going, but come on and follow (laughs) me. You know, it's like we're you're forging and pioneering this trail where you're navigating the valley of the shadow of death. While you've got 1,500 plus people, and not to mention this, the way how widespread this this thing went, and people are looking to us for answers. How do you do that? How do you lead in the midst of this trial? Well, I didn't know how. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, the first thing was we just walk it out. Mm. Um, but and I. You know, vulnerability and transparency um, are some big words Mm. that carry um, a big impact on the people that you're trying to lead. Yeah. Um, I could have sucked it up, you know, put on my big boy pants and Mm. sucked it up and put on the happy face and put on the strong face and went into the pulpit and said, Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about me. I'm strong, but I wasn't. Mm. I just decided to opt for telling them exactly how I felt. Yeah. Telling them what I'm learning. Um, I, got, I just got real with them. And it felt risky mm. to do that because I don't want people to think I'm weak. Mm-hmm. I want people to think I'm strong. Every leader wants his people to think, hey, he's got it all together, you know. But yeah. um, it felt like a risk to do that, but I did it anyway. And um, what I found was that the people loved it mm. and they appreciated it. Because um, basically, and, I, and a good friend of mine, Jim Jeffries, he's a pastor. Um, I called him. There's certain, there's just a handful of men that I called to say, what do I do next? Yeah. And because um, I had some people saying, you need to just take six months off. Mm. Um, you just you just go heal. You yeah, know? that's and what I, I thought I was supposed to do. Yeah. Perry asked me, Pastor Perry, he asked me, how long are you going to take off of preaching? And I was like, I don't know, probably six months or something. He goes, no, you're yeah. not. You, he said, I'm going to call it. Come middle of January, there's going to be a fire in your bones. And you're going to be ready to get back up on that stage and kick mm-hmm. the enemy in his teeth. And sure enough, he called it. I mean, it was about the beginning, middle of January. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get up there on that stage. I well, you go to said, war. you said to me, I think these were your words. You said, I feel like ripping the face off of the devil. Mm. 